and welcome to Primary Care Spotlight, the podcast that brings you all the latest news and insights from Cornwall Primary Care Training Hub. Cornwall Primary Care Training Hub is delivered in partnership with Kerner Health CIC, working on workforce development programmes across the Cornwall health and care system, and we are here to support all those working in primary care. So could you tell us a little bit about standardised infection control precautions and uh, transmission-based precautions? Yes, yeah, so standard precautions are things that we apply in every healthcare contact where there is an unknown risk of infection. Um, and these are things that break the chain of infection, basically. Um, so the chain of infection is how one germ, um, bacteria, virus, parasite get from one person or place to another. You start with a reservoir, well, you start with the germ, really, and then you start with the reservoir. So whether that be in food, soil, water, out in the environment or in an animal or a person. And then you have a portal of exit. So that's how the germ gets out. So whether that's through the mouth, through vomit or sort of droplets when you cough or sneeze, or whether that's through cuts in the skin and bleeding, um, or whether that's through uh, feces. So that's a portal of exit. And then you need a mode of transmission. So that's how germs get around. So whether that's equipment or environment that has been cleaned properly, um, or hand hygiene hands that haven't been cleaned properly. And then you've got um, how germs get in. So that's a portal of entry. So um, whether that be uh, non-intact skin or the mucous membrane um, or eyes, or um, if you think about our patients in healthcare, have um, often got things that we've put into them, different portals of entry, like surgical wounds um, or um, chronic wounds or urinary catheters, or lines, um, things like that. And then you need a susceptible host. So that's um, anybody who's susceptible to getting that infection. People who are particularly susceptible are uh, like the very young and the very old um, are those with a weakened immune system. Um, so your 10 standard precautions are, first one is patient placement and assessment for infection risk. So thinking whether this um, patient needs to go into an isolation room or shouldn't sit in the waiting room, things like that. Um, and then you've got hand hygiene, which is acknowledged as being one of the most important activities that breaks that chain of infection. And then you've got respiratory hygiene. Um, so that's your catch it, bin it, kill it. So making sure if you're going to cough or sneeze, you do it into a tissue, put that in the bin and perform hand hygiene afterwards. It's a really good idea in your practice to have tissues, bins and hand gel available for staff and the general public to use. Your fourth one is um, proper use of personal protective equipment. Then you've got management of medical equipment, clinical environment, linen, blood and bodily fluids, waste, And the last one is occupational safety and uh, managing prevention of exposure. There is a method called the hierarchy of controls. And there's a really good video on YouTube from NHS England called Every Action Counts, which is really good for staff to watch. And that enables you to think about the standard precautions um, and place them in sort of order of what um, eliminates a risk and what reduces a risk. So the hierarchy of controls is a system for controlling risks in the workplace. And like I said, it goes from either eliminating or reducing risks. And it ranks controls from the highest level of protection all the way down to the lowest and least reliable, which is PPE. So with PPE, should always be used if you put every other infection control and precaution in place, but there's still an unacceptable risk of transmission. Um, So the hierarchy of controls goes from elimination to substitution to engineering controls, to administrative controls, to PPE. So I'll just give you some examples of what they are. 
So examples of elimination would be deferring face-to-face appointments when the treatment isn't urgent or not coming into work when ill, ultimately closing services if this needs done. And substitution would be something that replaces a habit. So switching processes or practices like reviewing treatment areas and not eating or drinking in the clinical environment, which is particularly important um, to reduce the spread of norovirus. And then some examples of engineering controls which isolate people from the hazard are things like adequate ventilation, making sure you've got isolation room provision, um, good hand hygiene and respiratory hygiene practices, making sure your equipment's in a good state of repair, um, that your cleaning schedules are all up to date, cleaning's been done, that the environment's decluttered and that you've got good water safety. Next is administrative controls, so changing the way people work. Um, So that would be things like screening, triaging, testing and reporting infections promptly, um, schedule an appointment in clinics um, to avoid mixing of infectious and non-infectious people, infection controls, training, making sure you've got appropriate signage and restricting visiting when it's only necessary. And then last in that triangle, like I said, is personal protective equipment. And um, staff need to be trained in how to use PPE because it will only prevent the spread of infection if it's used and changed at the right time and accompanied by good hand hygiene. Um, Otherwise, you'd be putting yourself at risk rather than protecting yourself. Um, So you do have um, different types of precautions. Um, You've got contact precautions. So your standard precautions would be implemented when there is no known risk of infection. But if you do have a known risk of infection, you would then want to be implementing um, what we call transmission-based precautions. And transmission-based precautions are split into three. So um, if somebody does have a suspected unknown risk of infection, that's when you want to be implementing transmission-based precautions. And that's split into three types of precautions. You've got your contact precautions, your droplet precautions, and your aerosol precautions. So I will signpost you to some resources for anyone that's interested in doing a bit of reading um, and for you to be able to um, reference to when you want to be implementing the right types of precautions as well. So I'll let you know those at the end. So contact precautions prevent transmission of bugs spread via um, contact um, with somebody in their environment. So contact precautions would um, mean you need to wear gloves and apron for all interactions that may involve contact with that patient on their environment um, and ensuring correct donning and doffing of PPE. So you will want to put your PPE on um, before entering the room and to take it off um, once you leave and making sure you're doing the right cleaning, so using a high-level disinfectant and things like that. So some of the bugs you would use contact precautions on would be things like norovirus, um, C. diff, um, MRSA, things like that. So when a person coughs or sneezes, uh, droplets and aerosols are released. Um, So droplets are classed as particles that are over a certain size. It's five micrometers. And aerosols are particles that are under five micrometers. And droplets will fall about one or two meters away from a person. And if you're within two metres of a person, that's when you um, can inhale those droplets and transmission can occur. So if you think about social distancing, that's where the two metre rule came from. So um, really good, like normal ventilation and warm temperatures will dehydrate any aerosol particles which leave behind droplet nuclei and they settle really quickly onto surfaces. Um, They can be inhaled, but in a normal environment, they will settle into droplets. Um, And it's just important to note that not washing hands after contact with a person on the environment um who's got a bug spread via the droplet route like flu um will ensure 
that those infections are transmitted directly via contact. So hand hygiene is still really important with droplet and aerosol precautions. So examples of droplet-borne bugs would be things like um, COVID or flu, or if, if you suspect anybody has a respiratory infection, you want to be thinking, okay, I need to be putting them in um, a really well-ventilated, minimally stocked isolation room that can be cleaned down afterwards. And I need to be upping my PPE from gloves and apron to wearing that type 2 repellent fluid-resistant surgical mask. And then you've got your aerosols. So there are very few um, bugs that are spread via the airborne routes um, that we know of. There is um, pulmonary TB, there is uh, measles, and there is chickenpox, which is the initial infection with varicella zoster. Um, so if somebody is coming into your practice and you do suspect that they have um, pulmonary TB, measles or chickenpox, then you need to be thinking about implementing airborne precautions, which again would require an isolation room that's well ventilated, but your PPE you would require would be an FFP3 mask. Um, so there are many situations where you need to wear an FFP3 mask. So it is highly advisable for practices to have their staff fit tested with an FFP3 mask so they can be protected if they're coming into contact with someone with a suspected or known airborne infection. You also have your aerosol generating procedures. Um, so these are procedure related, not infection related. And that's when aerosols are expectorated or exhaled with a force and generate a really high amount of aerosols. Um, so if an AGP is being performed, then staff need to enter that room with AGP PPE. Um, if the AGP is being performed on someone with a suspected unknown respiratory infection, infection risk. For a list of aerosol generating procedures, please see the um, up-to-date NHS England Infection Prevention and Control Manual because um, there is a lot of research that's going into aerosol generating procedures and some of them have been recently removed. So it's continuous positive airway pressure, so CPAP. Has, has been removed from that list. Um, but there are things like induction of sputum, respiratory tract suctioning, which are still on the AGP list. Um, other scenarios where you would um, need to implement precautions would be um, a suspected high consequence infectious disease. Um, so high consequence infectious diseases are often categorised into contact and airborne. They sort of more or less skip that droplet borne route. So something like suspected avian flu um, or suspected monkeypox, you would want to be implementing um, the high consequence infectious disease precautions, which would include an FFP3 mask. So that's another situation where we would advise that practices are a standard fit test in their staff. Um, and again, there is more information in the National Infection Prevention and Control Manual, which we will put a link in. Um, next to the podcast so thanks for that Emma. I forgot to say that we do have another resource available from primary care it's just an aid memoir for respiratory protection sele selection and um, so we have put that out in the bulletin and we've recently updated it to include avian flu and um, so if in doubt um, it just enables practices to look at this mask and think okay I'm suspecting one of these diseases which kind of mask do I need to wear. Right great all right thank you very much. That's all today from Primary Care Spotlight. Thank you for listening and I look forward to you joining me again soon. For more information, you can visit our website www.kernerhealthcic.org.uk forward slash cornwall training hub. You can also follow us on Twitter at cornwall underscore th and on Facebook at cornwall training hub. 
To speak to the Training Hub team about how we can help your practice or career, please contact us at kernerhealthcic.workforce at nhs.net. If you have content ideas or would be interested in being interviewed for the podcast, please do get in touch. Bye for now.